The July sitting of Tinwald has 52 items on the order paper, 47 of which have come from government. That's more business than the May and June Tinwalds combined. And we'll most likely see a lengthy three-day sitting. On Perspective today, I'm joined by two guests who will be sitting there for that uh, potentially three-day sitting. Stu Peters, MHK, Rob Collister, MHK. Also joined by political commentator Paul Moulton. So, if I could begin then, uh, talk to Rob uh, Collister... What do you think? Uh, what, what's tickling your fancy on the on the Timwald order paper this week? Because there's, there's there's loads of items there. Yeah, there's 52 items in total, Phil. Um, I think there's a range of things to get your teeth into. Obviously, as chairman of Manx Utilities, I'll be bringing in further um, funding request in order to complete the necessary works um, for the regional sewerage in Laxey and Garth, and for the people of Peel. Um, and. Stu, uh, have, have you got any particular items that uh, that you're interested in? I, I, I was tempted to play the Postman Pat theme music. Uh, perhaps you could explain to the listeners why I might have wanted to do that. Uh, yes, uh, subject to Timwald approval, I've been asked to be chairman of the uh, Isle of Man Post Office. Um, like I say, that's subject to approval on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday and or Thursday. Um, and uh, it, as a joke, I posted on Manx forums where they had a thread about it that my first job was going to be to po- paint all the post office vans yellow and <laughs> uh, to call all the postmen and women Pat with name badges and to get uh, a black and white cat to stick in the back window. <laughs> and the first comment to that was, I don't think he's even joking, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I suppose, Paul, I've, I've given everyone else the opportunity to to to, to tell us what they, they, they were interested in on the uh, Tinwald agenda and uh, any big items there that you think might uh, startle the Manx public. I'll tell you what I'm more interested in is why there are so many questions with so little need for some of them to be put into that arena. It just amazes me why people can't just ask a quick question and get an answer for them. I mean, it's just got out of control. I'm sure that's where we're going to go here. That's 40 questions of my lifetime on Tuesday. We'll be there morning and afternoon trying to video this thing for, for the 10 people that might want to watch it. But it's it's gone a bit crazy. I mean, I think people have, have lost sight of where questions should be going. I mean, quite often they know the answers to these. I, under, I get the, the thing. You, you want to do your bit for your constituencies and you want to have your t- two minutes you know, of asking it. And then the supplementaries, of course, is when it gets more interesting because that's off script. But so many times you just see these ministers standing up and reading something that they haven't, they haven't probably even hardly had any contribution to. It's come from, obviously, their, their offices, and you'll know the answer to this one. So you're reading out somebody else's statement, really, just to get it to Hansard. And then, as I said, the fun starts when you see the various ministers scrambling for these supplementaries because they've got, like, four or five guesses, probably, of where the next question is going to come to. Now, that's not everyone, because some people can really actually answer the questions, but many people haven't got really that ability to to sound like they know what they're talking about in, in great depth. And I'm getting some, some interesting looks here from my two uh, gentlemen on both sides. And, and of course, the, 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 you know, the, the point always used to be with a question. You would ask a question of a minister for two reasons. The first reason would be, 
the minister and or the minister's department had failed to give you the answer um, outside of the uh, you know the, the parliamentary uh, setting. The other was because you had been given an answer by a minister and you didn't like the answer and you wanted to embarrass the answer, uh, the, the minister in some way or uh, challenge the minister for, for, for the answer that they'd given. But it's, it appears now to be more like a citizen's advice uh, bureau. I mean, uh, Rob, is, is, what, what, what's There's gone wrong no, with question time? Yeah, I, I think people have to remember there is a cost in officers' time to prepare all these statements. And I think, you know, absolutely, you're right, Phil. I think there should be some sort of um, test to it. I only put a question down if I think it's in the public interest or if I feel I haven't had the answer back from the department. 99% of all of the inquiries I get from constituents, I can fire it straight through the department. It can be addressed and I get a response back within a reasonable time. So to me, I think most of what's happening in this administration, and it happened in the last administration, there's almost like a point scoring system where members want to be seen to have asked the most questions. But when you actually break it down to quality of those questions, they're not very good, most of them. And it takes up a considerable amount of time of Timwell Court and the House of Keys. And I hope there is a bit of a shake-up because I, I think there should be some sort of... Um, test of the quality but that really comes down to the clerks of looking at those questions when you're just asking a simple question you're saying well can you not answer that by email but the members have the right to ask any question they want so we've got to get the balance right mind you at least you have the opportunity to ask these questions and ministers have to answer the the, the questions i tried five ministers uh, to, uh, to to come on this show um, issued five invitations uh, over the course of the, the week just gone by, and unfortunately none of the ministers I'd, I'd asked were, were available. Uh, the other three ministers that I didn't ask, one is on agenda tomorrow night, and uh, the other two have been very frequent uh, contributors to my shows. One of the ministers hasn't appeared on any of the shows that I've done since the election, despite me asking. You're going to name names there? Uh, no, I, 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 I'll, give them a, I'll give them a chance uh, on, on, on this <laughs> Come occasion. Come on, Phil. But, this is but it, is, it, is, it is quite extraordinary. I mean, apart from anything else, uh, this is a great opportunity for you, if you were a minister, to explain what government's about. There's an awful lot on the Tinwell order paper. Fact Lots of, of is, though, that, that, uh, that Rob and I have got no friends and therefore we're always <laughs> available for anything where there's a free cup of tea. And, and it's great to have you on the show. And, and you know, I, I know. Second division lots, yes. But, 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 I mean, looking back then to the, the order paper, I mean, the, the, there's some big statements uh, being made here. Uh, we've got offshore energy, we've got climate change, review of harms caused by illicit drugs, the built environment reform programme, and indeed the economic strategy. Um, so, statements on issues that seem to be. Well, I don't know. Normally a statement is, I'm afraid we haven't got, got anything for you yet. We, we were supposed to have done it by such and such, but it's not here. Um, so therefore, um, you know, I'm making the statement and it'll be, it'll be here shortly. But these look as though they're going to be statements of quite significant substance. Um, is, is this the, the correct way to, to go I think it's a case it? of trying to get these in before the summer recess, isn't it? I think that that's part of the problem. I mean, as a newbie uh, MHK, I've never seen a three-day sitting before, and uh, I dread it. I don't know if there are enough fishermen's friends in the world to, to sort of <laughs> you know, keep me going without a cigarette for three days, but there you go. Um, uh, so I think it's people trying to cram things in before the recess is the problem. Um, and the problem, the other problem is that I think that an awful lot of people listening to this won't realise the amount of work you've got to do as an MHK 
in terms of somebody will say, oh, it's a very full order paper, and that's the end of it. Very full order paper. I've <laughs> spent the, you know, every spare hour for the last week reading through the memos and the explanatory notes with all these things, and I've, I'm still not all the way through it. Um, and the problem with being an MHK is that you're supposed to be a, a you know, a semi-expert in an awful lot of things, or at least have a point of view about things. So, you know, hydrocarbon taxes and, and whatever it might be, uh, uh, sanctions against the uh, against Russia. You know, we're supposed to be able to look at these things and be able to vote on them with some degree of knowledge. And it, it's incredibly hard work. And and sometimes you just can't. I mean, there are certain things that are so far outside my scope of of expertise that I just have to trust the the officers or the, or the ministers that are bringing these things forward. And, and one of the items on the order paper from Daphne Kane is asking for a review of the, uh, the 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 new relatively new standing order, which requires business to have been on the order paper f- uh, or, or, or on the register weeks, for business yeah. for over six weeks. So, uh, Rob Collister, um, is, is that a, a sensible move? Do you think, bearing in mind what we're what we're now experiencing, perhaps Daphne wouldn't have been so keen to have moved this had she just experienced a three-day sitting with all the items that were, were likely to be I, facing? I think if you speak to most members, the six weeks notice period is not working. I think there's too many items. If you go through the 52 items, they're, they're given the apology saying it hasn't had the required six weeks period. So if you stripped all them back, the order paper would be a lot lighter. To go back to what Stu and yourself just said with regard to these statements, I think the problem is with these statements. The Council of Ministers may be fully aware of what these statements relate to, but as backbench MHKs, we have no detail of this. We may, during the speech, when the, the minister stands up, get an email to say, this is the speech. You're then having to speed read that in the chamber. And then at the same time, listening to the delivery of the speech, at the same time as that, also preparing questions in order to challenge the minister or to ask the minister on a topic you have no understanding of what that topic is going to be so that also needs to be reviewed at some point because members need to as as Stu rightfully said we've spent every spare hour of the last couple of weeks going through the order paper researching bits that we want to be interested in actually reading the rest to make sure we've got a, a grasp of what is going through the Timbal court and if you actually compare that to those statements those statements we have no no information on and that needs to change as well because there's far too many statements coming through. So, so no secret briefings on, on any of these we, statements then? No, not necess- no, no, I don't think we have actually, to be fair, on this occasion. Oh, 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 hang on. I'm a big fan of the secret briefings, I have to say, <laughs> because there's usually a sandwich and a sausage roll involved. <laughs> because there are briefings, and they're not secret. You, you quite often will have uh, something big that all the members of Timwald are asked to come to the room over, yeah, over lunch, no doubt, and they get it there. So when it gets to Timwald quite often, it's really sort of no. everyone knows what you, is going to be said. the order paper. Yeah. These, we may have some, but we don't know. We haven't seen the site of okay, the Okay, not meetings. questions, but the orders. So, say, for example, we do know that the, 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 the economic strategy, we've had a briefing on that one. That's one that we've definitely had some information. But then the, the building around the environment, the review of harms caused by illicit drugs, the climate change, yes, we'll have some understanding, but we don't physically know what the ministers are going to stand up. Now, if in the Council of Ministers, they've almost certainly seen those statements, so they are prepared to step in and support their colleagues. But as backbench MHKs, we have to wait for that statement to be delivered. Are you saying you want to see all that up front all the time? I, I mean, that, is that any point of Timwell then? Because surely you know the answers before you get going. Well, no, I think it's, it's a public statement. It's there for the general public to actually listen to what the government's doing on the economic strategy and climate change or, as you say, the, the environmental reform programme. But as members, we should be given that statement in advance of the sitting so we can quickly read it. We know what questions to ask, what to challenge. 
you know, to get the points of direction. So you really, it's really difficult being in the chamber, listening to those statements, and then also trying to think what you need to say. And to be fair, Paul, I mean, you, you, you were with me in the uh, in the secret briefing we had. We on can't the, talk about which that. we're not allowed to talk about on the economic strategy. Right. Uh, all, all I can say, I think it's not unreasonable to say, was there were two very glitzy performances, and if. The first, the first you're really hearing of the meat of the, the topic is delivered by someone who has been rehearsing their lines for at least two weeks beforehand. It is easy for things to slip through and be generally supportive and perhaps not questioned uh, if, if you don't know that much about the detail in advance. Oh, great. I mean, getting the wrinkles out of the system. I mean, wasn't the Ireland plan the first time around? It didn't go through, did it? I mean, I'll put it forward much to everyone's shock. It didn't hit the numbers. And I think there's the lessons learned that let's take everyone through it beforehand let's get rid of any of the issues let's make sure that everyone's on board or there's enough people on board so when i do present it to tim wald it should just go through on a knot right well but- that's, not, that's not actually correct i mean a lot of the time um the ministers do need to explain so as, as Stu rightfully said we're not experts in every single topic so sometimes you've got to take my role as chairman of manx utilities when we make a presentation i'm expected to have the information so with me today is a file of about six inches thick that's all of my own personal research into what i'm proposing to do in timwald on tuesday the previous debates so i'm supposed to be there to be able to answer the questions that members may have mm. so it's up to you as the minister or the chairman and Stu will have to do this as as the chair of the post office if it's approved next week he will have to spend a considerable amount of time researching himself knowledging himself on a topic so when other his colleagues challenge him either in a briefing or on the floor he can answer those questions quite confidently to persuade his colleagues to actually vote in that particular direction and that takes quite a lot of time and and do you think i mean Stu and paul i suppose you've been around a while from from the, the stew on the other side of the fence, um, commenting, looking at uh, the way Manx politics works. Uh, do you think sometimes Timbald members over prepare for Timbald these days? Uh, you know, they, uh, you, you you're standing for election. You know what you believe. You know what you think. Um, surely, you know, certainly at election time. Um, so so actually, a debate on any particular topic, you you ought to know what you think without having it all written down in in triplicate. Sort of. I mean, yes, some people are far better on the feet, uh, <clears throat> off the cuff than than I am. I, I because I've got such a rubbish memory. Unless I write things down, I forget half of them before I, I actually get on my feet. So I usually make a note of what I want to say if I want to say something, and I try only to say something if I think I'm going to add to the debate. There are an awful lot of people in Keys and Timwald who speak because they feel as though they ought to uh, and add very little to anything you know we sometimes have debates on things where you know you might get a dozen or 18 members all effectively saying the same things so that they can be seen by the constituents as as uh, as uh, adopting a particular uh, program Uh, and I don't know that that's helpful Um, when this thing when Alistair Ramsey first uh, commented about these secret briefings which did make me laugh a bit and remember that I've only ever seen the system as it stands at the moment um, it's a nonsense really Um, and and I think I probably commented on socials about it and somebody said yes but we're we're the the people who voted you in we want to see government at work and therefore if you've all agreed things beforehand then that's not right that's not democratic but the worry is that I think that Tim Walden Keys 
becomes a little bit of a sort of a, um, a, a celebrity deathmatch thing where what people listen for is a big fallout amongst members, you know, and, uh, and I think that those days have gone. I think that the briefings beforehand, I think, are an integral part uh, of, of being a government, being a parliament. And, and, and certainly I would agree to, to a certain extent, although the more I look back at my time giving secret briefings, although yeah, they, they were clear, I mean, the briefings were information that would end up in the public domain. Um, but uh, it does sort of take the sting out of the debate um, a, 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 a quite a bit. Uh, I, I think, Paul. I mean, I, I don't know. You, you, you've obviously been following Tinwald for, for for quite some some years. I'm not not uh, commenting in any way about how old you are, uh, because obviously you're the <laughs> Peter, the, the Peter Pan problem? of of, oh, of, right. uh, <laughs> of uh, Manx uh, political journalism. But um, uh, what, what would you say? I mean, has it has it become a bit duller in, in, in recent uh, years, or, or, or is there, there still the same level of passion and, and ah, uh, concern? That, there's uh, a fine line, isn't there, between hmm. uh, being interesting and being completely potty? Because we, you know, <laughs> it, it, over the years, we've had some members who just completely dominated <laughs> things, and will have a, something to say about everything. And uh, you know, it's it's like watching. Uh, House of Commons when you got the Scottish National Party Scottish anyway. I still think the passion's there though when you look you've been in the chamber Paul yeah. when there is a proper debate you'll see it you'll see it less than maybe people just as Stu said it previously standing up and just making statements for the sake of it or just wanting to be heard when people are really passionate for a, to- a topic you will actually see that passion come through in their speech true but you've always got the council ministers who basically will keep storm if, even if they don't agree with it they're not going to stand up and really fight against it because they've got that collective responsibility to some degree so that takes out all of that doesn't it so you're you're left with people like yourself who are still waiting for that ministerial shit to come through and then you can join the the inner tent probably and you'll you'll be quiet then uh, no no it's not i will not change who i am i will always give an honest opinion an honest answer to an honest question i've done that since i started my political career as an onkin commissioner and I'm proud to keep that um, going. And it makes no difference what position I hold. You know, either a backbench MHK, chairman of Manx Utilities, or even a minister if I ever held that position in the future. Hmm. But you will be affected. Anyone's affected, aren't they? When Once you're in, in the council ministers, Phil, you are affected. It, it limits um, how you can say things. Uh, it doesn't necessarily limit you speaking. And uh, you know, I, I, I commented to a, a seasoned member of Tinwald uh, when I was despairing at the fact that I couldn't get any ministers prepared to come on, onto the show this week. And I said, uh, oh, you know, I, I, I was always available. I, I, you know, I'd bend over backwards to be available for the media when I was involved in, in politics. And I said, was it just me? And they said, yeah, it probably was, actually. <laughs> so, so, so maybe maybe there is some sense in, in, in rationing your uh, appearances uh, on, on the media. But uh, I do think there's a role there. Your ministers, you know, you can't be in that role without uh, actually explaining yourself to the public from time to time. Every administration have their own ways of dealing with the media. If we're just slightly going off on a tangent here, but... Um, we have this system at the minute on Tuesdays we can make a bid for people for Thursdays it hasn't always gone to plan sometimes it's not happening but basically all the ministers have the two till four or one till three whatever it is in their diaries for the media interviews and that's an interesting concept because this is therefore a government that seems to be wanting forward and it was from Alf Cannon who from him downwards saying this is how it's going to be now under Howard Quayle we hardly saw him 
I mean, we, we, we zoomed in, you know, every so often with the COVID stuff, but we didn't see much of him. There was no sort of particular policies. And I'm sure you had the same things too when you're trying to get hold of these people for your shows and things. Um, it's different mentality, different mindsets, different ways of dealing with things. Certainly media has to be part of the whole mix these days. You've got to convince the public on things. And you, Mr. Collister, have got a massive one this week, you know, with the, with the sewage thing, surely. It's, it is massive, and I've spent more time on that one topic to try and get the additional £16 million to complete the project for the people of this island than I have on any other topic. It's it's massive. The, the vote's going to be close, I feel. But I feel the people of Laxey have a right, and the people of Peel have a right to get this work completed. We're almost there. And as I say, as I'll say on Tuesday, we've been discussing waste on the island since 1992. And we did have an all-island system to start with, and then we went to a regional in 2007. And we've now been working on the regional. You know, we've had um, 2011, we spent £39.9 million on phase one, um, which actually came in £11 million under budget, and it came in on time. And I think that's an absolute um, fantastic achievement by the, the staff within Max Utilities. And then 2019, we, we've um, spent 20, we've asked for 23 and a half million pounds. That has already been supported by Timwald. And we've already got the, the, the Timwald go ahead to, to, to get this work started. What we've found out in the last few years is the cost of increase. We all know about the cost of living and the cost of um, the actual materials have all increased. And yes, we'll be going back to Timwald to ask for 16.9 million pounds. We believe some of that funds could be reduced further by selling assets at the end of the process um, and actually offsetting some to a government department as well. So even though if we take everything into account, as I said before this programme started, Back in 2007, the Minister of the Day actually said it would cost around about £85.1 million to complete the regional sewerage works on our island. We will be pretty much bang on the money if we get the funding on Tuesday and get the work completed by 2024. Because this is a lot of the problem, isn't it? Um, Budgets are, are stated to Treasury. Treasury says you can't have that much. Budget is then reduced, and then ultimately you end up having to come back and asking for the money that you, you knew you needed in the first place. No, I think what happened, if we'd had the planning permissions in place, this work would have been completed within the last administration. That was the promise made in 2019. I'm now going to stand up on Tuesday and try and commit that promise to this administration, which is part of the island plan. So if if the funding doesn't go through and we cannot complete by 2024, then we have failed our our objective, which is set out in the island plan. So, uh, Stu, reasonable, Rob? Uh, Well, it, it raises an interesting question, this, doesn't it? Because one of the things that I stood for election on was accountability. And we, I talk quite a lot about schemes like the Liverpool landing stage and like the, the promenade and all the rest of it. And the fact that nobody's ever held accountable for overspends. Uh, Rob and the MUA are coming to Timwald uh, this week for an extra, almost, you know, um, an extra, what, 80% over the originally agreed amount of money. And that's ridiculous. It's completely and utterly ridiculous. However, having said that, I think I'll probably have to vote for it because the alternative is that, you know, the the, the people in Laxey and Peel or whatever don't have a proper sewage scheme. So, you know, we are put in a position as politicians where you can have the best will in the world to try and, and, and stop these overspends all the time, but they all get to a certain stage where you've got to continue or or... 
you know, what, it was the same with the Liverpool landing stage. We could have all said no to it and ended up with a £40 million piece of land in Liverpool that was no use to anybody. And Rob, I mean, the public will probably be, be quite... Uh, quite um, in, in, in line with what Stu's just Absolutely. said there. It's, it's really quite hard for people to understand well, how me... it was 23 million last time you asked and then suddenly Agreed. it's gone up. Okay, let's just put this in thing. I absolutely respect Stu's opinion. He's absolutely right, but we should not associate this with the Liverpool Land Station, the Promenade or other failed projects. This is not an overspend. This is a recalculation of costs to complete the work. And part of the reason why we're going back to Timbald is because we've listened to the, to the communities, especially especially in Laxey and in Garth. Because what's happened is, if they want the cheapest option, we build at the Kern site and we allow the sewerage to go out that way and the gravity flows down into that. That's not the right decision. And as a member responsible for tourism, I absolutely endorse the decision by the Manx Utilities not to appeal that planning application. So what they've done is they've listened to the community, they've looked at the revaluation, they're pumping back to Mary Vague. That is, it's going to add an additional £6 million onto that scheme if we went that far back. Plus it would create some issues in Onkin. So what they've done is they've listened to the community, they've listened to the residents in Boldrine and Laxey, and they've put a treatment works in the middle. Now to do that, it has added some additional costs. And this is where I get a little bit um, confused because the member, you know, one of the members who's pushing quite hard to have it put back to Mary Begg, Actually, what we've done is we've delivered on her promise, and that is please do not put it in the middle of the village. So we've listened to them, but there is additional costs, and that is one of the reasons why we're going back to Timwell to ask for more money, because we've listened to the community, especially in Laxey. And there's going to be additional revenue costs associated with this too, because effectively you're going to have to now pay to pump the the, the sewage, um, whereas... The, the other scheme didn't didn't require that expense. Now perhaps that's uh, that's good news for the other side of your uh, MUA uh, in terms of the electricity because the biggest user of the whole of the uh, the, the sewage yeah. treatment system on the island, uh, oh, sorry, the biggest user of the electricity on the island is is, is the MUA. Absolutely, I think when you speak to and what's really upset me this week is that I've seen the best and the worst of people this week, and I think one of the, the worst things I've seen this year this week is is people are not allowed to speak their minds because if you go against a certain view within the village by a small group of people it actually gets pushed down and that to me is is unacceptable on a political level and on a local level and I hope when if we get the funding on Tuesday and this goes to planning the people that actually just want to get this scheme done especially in Garth they come out and they submit letters to say they support the scheme I know they've got to see plans and we've got a lot of public engagement to do as for Peel I'm not ignoring Peel the, um, it's fantastic when I met um, Peel commissioners the other day. They are absolutely behind the scheme. They want this done. They're even asking us to get it done before 2024. And if we get the funding on Tuesday, I can promise the Peel, people of Peel we will do everything we can to try and deliver it as quickly as we can for those people. So you're listening to Perspective with me, Phil Gorn, and my guests, Rob Collister, MHK, Stu Peters, MHK, and political commentator, Paul Moulton. Um, Paul, you you didn't seem wholly convinced by uh, Rob's well, answers. I don't take your place, but I'm, you know, I'm biting my tongue here. I mean, surely, <laughs> Mr. Collister, you've sat down with all your members to have a briefing. You were talking about at the very top. You should know where you're going on Tuesday. Surely, you've had you had the briefings. They know what's coming up. You, you've read the mood music from the room. So you keep saying, "I hope to get it through." And I'm, just, I'm, I'm surprised to hear that sort of terminology. I thought okay. you, you must know. And if you if you if it didn't sound like it was going through, you'd probably 
take it back and have another look at it. Right? Um, we did have a Timbal briefing and we got questions back and we've sent emails to members to ask them if they have any additional questions. No, you can't always go into Timbal Court expecting to have the votes in your back pocket. You've got to work for them and you've got to convince members. And when you have a particular item that doesn't really affect their constituents in Peel and in Garth, other members, you know, are harder to persuade because they can be swayed very easily by an argument. So I've got to stand up on Tuesday. I have to actually convince the members that this is the right decision and I want the members to take the bold step to get this work completed once and for all because, as I've said, we've been talking sewerage for over 30 years. Now is the time to complete this work for this island because we need it for an UNESCO biosphere and it all forms part of the island plan. So let's get it done, please. Happy with, uh, no, with the answer? No, because if, if it's a wrong answer, if it's the wrong plan, it doesn't make it better to whiz it through and then have to look at it again in five years' time and fix it. No, it, it, it is. Timwald has made the direction of regional. We have tested the cost in respect of regional and the pump away. We've explained to members which we feel was the best. We're now going to go ahead of this. And if I had stood up here and actually said on this programme that I've got the votes already in my bag, you'd be accusing of it being just a wash, whitewash. And why are we sitting in Timwell for three days if everything's already been decided? So what I'm saying is I am I'm hopefully confident I've got the support of my colleagues and then we can get on with the work. And it's got this, the difficult part will come during planning. Do you believe in it? Do you actually Absolutely. believe it? 100% this yes. is the solution to the problem Absolutely. and you will stand on that? Absolutely. As the And okay. if you've got to remember, I was the chairman of the infrastructure um, the Environment and Infrastructure Policy Review Committee that looked at the works at Peel and we made several recommendations and what I'm proposing on Tuesday is actually bring in some of those recommendations from that committee and actually implement one of those is the ragged leachate. We deal with that once and for all. That is a recommendation that came from my committee back in 2018. So you're asking me, do I support this? Absolutely. And if you don't get it through, will you resign from the MU? I will make that decision on Tuesday. Oh, so you might. Okay. Right. Well, Sorry, Phil. Oh, you. So, Stu, you, you, may, you may get a, a, another uh, a chairmanship if you're, well, if you're looking Shall we have a go at this one? Hang on. You said, I'm sure you didn't want to have any responsibility in government, Mr Peters. No, no, I didn't say that at all, Paul, as you, as you uh, already know. I said I wouldn't take a government department position. For, a, for at least a year. This is virtually the same thing. I mean, you've got a lot of work if you take it, right? Well, you know, technically, it's and not. And an up, uplift on your, on your Well, well no. I, I mean, I, I, uh, I became a member of the Constitution, Legal Affairs and Justice Committee, Standing Committee of Timwald, um, and I uh, became Vice Chairman of the OFT fairly soon after being elected. So it, it was just that I didn't want to be uh, part of a department for the first 12 months until I got the, the hang of things. Hmm. So uh, I think the post office, uh, and it is nearly a year, anyway but I, no I, I don't see that there's a conflict there at all so just um there's only of the the huge order paper there's only five items down from uh Timbald members uh back benches so, so to speak all the rest are, are effectively government motions so um we've we've already had a, a, a fair uh, hearing on the uh, gas extraction motion from uh, Joni Farragher uh, obviously, she doesn't want to see gas extraction. I'm, I'm sure we, we all know what Stu's view is on that. Yeah, well, um, I, but, yes, but, and, 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 you know, I, I think it's very naughty of Joni. You know, it's like people that, that don't seem to have got the, the hang of, of Brexit. You know, the, the, the public had the say, uh, as far as Brexit's concerned. All right, it wasn't a huge majority, but the decision was taken and government went with Brexit. And there are so many people now trying to sort of, you know, turn, turn that around and to go back on it and to get back into Europe. Uh, and really, 
really, if those efforts were spent on just cracking on in the new system of things, then the, the world would be a better place. And I think it's the same with the Kroger gas job. Um, Council of Ministers has decided to grant the licence for another two years or 27 months, I think. Uh, and, and yet people are still trying to stop it and block it. And I, I think it's very naughty. Two other items then. Uh, social tariffs for the internet. This is uh, being brought from the uh, member for Arbury, Castleton and Maloo, Mr Moorehouse. And, uh, of course, uh, a rather mischievous general debate by Mr Ashford uh, on the uh, local government reform. Uh, these are two uh, topics, uh, certainly the latter of the two topics is one that we could probably debate for several weeks. Um, but what, what about the social tariffs for the internet? Has anyone got a view on that? Yeah, I think... Personally, I think government should push a little bit, but I think more could be done via our local providers, Manx Telecom, sure, by, by way of example. I think in the UK, when I was looking at this, one provider in the UK does provide free internet um, for people on certain benefits. So absolutely, I think it goes, there's a wider discussion on this, was the fact is that we're still paying far too much for utilities and especially internet. If you compare us to the UK, we do need to look at it and actually reduce some of these costs. In respect to social tariffs, again, if we're linking it to certain benefits, um, yes, I can get that because that's what's happening in the UK. However, I think Manx Telecom, Shure and other providers should be doing more to actually lower the costs for all providers. I think we've got to be Quite. very careful about comparing ourselves always with the UK. Mm. I mean, we, you know, the, the, the thing that I've realised years and years ago is that the, the Isle of Man just doesn't have the economies of scale of the UK. So to say that we pay, you know, a, an horrendous price for internet here uh, compared to the UK, I, I just think that that's unfair. Uh, and it's the same with food and, and with everything else that costs more in the Isle of Man. We're a small island. We've got 85,000 people here. So producers uh, and retailers and wholesalers just don't have the economy of scale. You know, Quite an extraordinary expensive. comment there, though, from the chairman of the Manx Utilities Authority that we pay far too much for utilities in the Isle of Man. I'm amazed that, Paul, you hadn't uh, sprung into action on that one. We, we do that. We, we, we do pay too much. And I think it's a case we're going through this cost of living crisis and we've all got to try and look at ways of lowering the bills. And I, it's something I'd said in my manifesto that I do think that we need to look at all of our utilities. I know, you know, from an electricity point of view, we are cost sensitive. We are a monopoly. We get all of that and we try to um, set our tariffs as low as we possibly can. But obviously we need to do more. But at the moment, we're in this middle of this cost of living crisis, which is affecting everything. Food, electricity, gas, you know, everything. So we do need to look at the whole range of things to try and lower our bills where we can. And of course, the the uh, statement, the, the first statement on the order paper uh, from the chief minister in relation to the economic strategy uh, will assist with some of this at some point. Um, but, uh, at, you know... I don't think we're, we're releasing any secrets in, in, in saying that any economic strategy is going to take time and we have a, pri a problem at the moment, uh, particularly you have in, in, in terms of utilities, in terms of the, the, the raw product, the, the gas. Uh, Unfortunately, we are heavily reliant on gas, natural gas, to actually generate our electricity. Maybe we should have done more in respect of the renewables we put online over the last um, two, three years. But we are working hard now to get them online as soon as possible. We uh, I'm happy to tell people, I've just wrote an article for all my newspapers, where I'm actually telling people to be prepared for 
the, the autumn and the winter this year. I think Manx Utilities um, have done everything they can to keep the cost as low as they can. We've increased, as you know, 30%, but given the cost that we've incurred over since March 2021, then I think people have to expect an increase in the autumn and possibly in the winter next year because the price of natural gas has not come down. It still well exceeds 250 pence per therm. And you've got to remember back in March 2021, we were paying a steady 50 pence per therm and that had been in place for 10 years. So we're in a completely different place now and I'm happy just to let people know that they should re- prepare for more increases in the autumn. Local government reform, is that going to go anywhere, Paul, do you think? Oh, my goodness, you asking me that one. I mean, how old am I? <laughs> I mean, how many times has that been brought up? Philip, you, over to you, because, come on, this is never going to be sorted, is it? I mean, tell me, um, give me some hope. People get bored that they bring this one back, because yeah. you know, th- that or another uh, review into <laughs> Manx Radio. Uh, I see that we've not had one of those in this administration yet. Uh, but, you know, that seems to be a, a, a fairly regular thing, doesn't it? Local government reform seems to be the same. And yet this is pretty fundamental, to, you know, in terms of economic strategy. Uh, you know, we are um, looking at a range of, of different options. Obviously, I can't talk about the strategy. Uh, the chief minister will tell us all about that on Tuesday. Um, but one of the obvious things that we could say are that there are three key ways of raising income. One is income tax and all the uh, economic strategies and reports that have ever been have said we can't change that if we want to maintain business on the Isle of Man in the form that it currently is. Another is VAT, and of course we we benefited from two hundred million pounds extra uh, for many years, which actually, despite us having a low tax model, um, re- resulted in us actually having a high tax uh, uh, solution uh, because we were effectively getting the two hundred million extra from the UK. Um, the other taxation is is that local taxation, and certainly in our neighbouring uh, countries, Ireland and uh, the UK. Uh, you'd expect to be paying an awful lot more in local taxes. Even in, in, in Douglas, you'd be expecting to pay an awful lot more than you currently do. So um, is, is this an area that has been neglected too long? Well, we go back to, um, you know, the, David Ashford actually brought this particular debate to Timwell Court in November 2017. It was followed up by questions from Laurie Hooper in 2019. For me, we might as well just copy and paste that debate from 2017 and put it back into Hansard and move on because we're never really going to sort this problem out because local authorities, as I said in that debate, they need to be big enough to actually deliver the services but small enough to be accountable to their ratepayers. And I know David will always skip around Douglas and leave Douglas and then we'll sort out the rest. And I think if we are going to have a debate on local authority reform, then we need a proper debate, which also includes Douglas. Um, and that, that to me is, I've not changed my view on that in the last five years. Are we overgoverned? Oh, let me have a go at that one. Yes. I mean, just by sitting in Timwald, and I've, I've sat with members of foreign uh, governments who are invited over, you know, this big jolly that they come here and we all go, you, sorry, go over there to some sunny climes at some point and look at their parliaments. But we, I've had two recently, and listening to the, the quality of questions that have been asked in, I think it was House of Keys, to be honest, just making a difference, really, and they rolled their eyes because they couldn't believe the level of the questions for the national government, which are things that really should be dealt with by the local authorities, probably. And it does bring into effect, at what point you know, do we determine those questions? We'll actually come back to the whole thing. Well, those questions really, should they be in Timwald or House of Keys or should they just be dealt with by the local authorities in many cases? And, and of course, this is a 
uh, one of the issues that has just been bouncing around for, for years and years and years, and uh, nobody really seems to have managed to address it. I had a, a little uh, under the under the radar go by by actually transferring services back to local authorities. Uh, the idea was this was the first step, and then more services would follow, and then ultimately local authorities would either have to to sort of work together merge with each other to to uh, deliver the services or I, I have uh, memories of that Phil as an <laughs> Onken commissioner I think that was called slipping costs over to local authority well, instead yeah. of actually pushing services over and you know some local authorities have merged and I think that's good I think they should be, more of that should happen on, around the island to make especially in some of the smaller parishes in the north you know I'd love to see the likes of Andrew's Bride and um, Jerby come together and actually have that who would Onken merge with I mean if you go back in time I mean yeah I mean Onken has been a very good local authority and I think it delivers as well same as Ramsey does they are both of the right size you know delivering to their communities they've got all of the service that they need to do so if I've always said that if you look at the modeling it should be the types of um, Ramsey and Onken who deliver it to around about 9,000 residents I think Douglas is a little bit too big sometimes and I think some of the other ones are far too small. And I remember a long, long time ago, I went to one local authority and I sort of asked about this question about merging everything. And she said, no, no, I'm fine, happy, happy organising the Christmas fair and the, the summer fair. We don't need anything else, thank you. And that was it. That was one local authority. And I remember having that discussion in the, Sant in the Santon Hotel going back many years. Well, bureaucracy on stage for Mr Peters to chirp in there. I'm yeah. sure in your days on the radio, you were always talking about over... Yeah, the way we were doing everything, over-governed. Well, I'm a bit ambivalent about local authority reform because on the one hand, I think that maybe an all-island rate would be a good thing in that nobody lives more than a dozen miles from the nearest uh, utility or, or swimming pool or theatre or whatever, uh, generally speaking. Uh, so, so you know, adopting this UK system of, of having different authorities, uh, I think is wrong. On the other, people have said to me over the years, no, it's very important that we've got local commissioners, you know, and it's the old thing about uh, uh, local local authorities for local people. So I d I'm a bit on the fence about it, to be honest. Excellent uh, position for an MHK to yeah. be. Yeah, I'm um, sure he was going to be the one that's making decisive <laughs> decisions. You were going to talk for the common man. All that anyway, time. there are other items on the order paper, and uh, two that are sort of linked. Isle of Man government's childcare strategy um, which hasn't completed its six weeks on the Register of Business, and the preschool credit scheme, which also hasn't completed uh, its six weeks. Um, £325,940 being sought for the preschool credit scheme. Um, any any views on this, uh, uh, gents? Uh, uh, no, I, I support um, giving the extra funds, as I say, and I also support the strategy, the childcare strategy, because DfE had a good input into that document. I think, as I've said in during the election, every child on the island deserves to have the best possible start in life. But I've also been a very, very strong advocate of lifelong learning. Learning doesn't stop once you leave school. People need to be given an extra chance to, to gain those qualifications, gain the experience, and I'm 
prime example of that. I left school with very few qualifications and I had to go back to college and I had to learn online as well to get those qualifications that I needed. But that also ties in with what the, um, the chief minister's looking to appoint those non-exec directors. When you talk about that, there's no sort of professional qualification standards around it. So all of that should tie in. Yes, bringing people with experience and everything else, what a non-exec director should do, but surely it should be benchmarked against some real top quality qualifications, such as the Institute of Directors, Chartered Management, etc., etc. And could we not um, effectively do away with LegCo and uh, use, using the savings from, from not having LegCo, you could actually afford to pay for non-executive uh, directors to assist Tynwald members in their business? Uh, does that mean that MHKs get more money, Phil? Depends. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would doubt it. I mean, I'm, the idea would be, where, where are you going to get the money to pay for all this uh, non these non-executive d- d- yeah, directors? I, I, I think I think LegCo fulfills an important purpose. Uh, whether or not it does enough, or whether or not it's too highly paid for what it does, or, or you know, whatever, I, I really don't know. Remember that I'm I, I've come into this. Uh, new uh, 12 months ago and so so, some of the the thoughts that I'd had as a broadcaster looking at it from the outside have have probably mellowed a little bit Um, so I I don't particularly have a problem with with LegCo as such Um, yeah maybe non-exec directors or or whatever Um, I don't know it's a strange one though Stu because on that item we're looking at there's no reference to how much they're going to be paid how they can be physically removed if you don't feel a Oh, you know all the qualifications it's it, it there's just a lot more information on that one that is needed and uh, i'll be interested to hear well, how the chief minister outlines this vision because is it somebody who's going to sit right next to the minister and give him um, a sound advice well isn't that what the chief executive's role is and isn't that what the chief or the, the 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 senior team within the departments that's their role so i'm just not sure how this is going to work it'll be interesting to see how it works in practice certainly as a minister, a former minister, I, I, I would have found it particularly useful, I think, in, particularly in DOI. I think in, in terms of agriculture, fisheries, the, the farmers and the fishermen were very quick to advise you anyway. So, so you didn't really need the non-executive directors there. But, uh, yeah, I, I think there's, there's, there's potentially a role. Um, the other thing, of course, uh, which uh, has, has received quite a bit of uh, attention, uh, not least the Timwell petition, uh, is the uh, complaints p- procedures into the health and social care system. Uh, we've actually got an agenda with the minister and one of the petitioners uh, on tomorrow evening at six o'clock. Um, but uh, I, I, are we content that we that the, the new regulations are independent enough and are actually going to deal with the problem, give people confidence? Are. I don't think they are. Uh, and I've got a constituent who, who's been, who might be your guest, I don't know, um, who has been passed from pillar to post by the health service and by, by the uh, complaints process uh, for a number of years now uh, and uh, writes to me on a fairly regular basis, you know, and goes into a great deal of detail about why the system doesn't work at the moment and why the proposals aren't going to work either. So uh, I've got real concerns about whether or not this is independent enough. Paul? Well, I'm still getting my head around, this comes under Manx Care now, right? This is the new umbrella that deals with it. Do they, excuse me, because I haven't got briefing notes, so I don't know. Okay. Is that how it works? I mean, so, well, Manx well, Care is £3 million 
thing that yes. is going to try so, and... So in, in essence, uh, if you have a complaint against Manx Care, you can deal with your complaint directly with Manx Care. If that doesn't work, you can then go to a committee of ombudsmen. Uh, the committee of ombudsmen is, is appointed independently of the department. But ultimately, but the t- you, you exhaust the whole process. Uh, the ombudsman committee makes recommendations to, to Manx Care. To, to Manx Care. Manx, Manx, Manx Care can choose to, to <laughs> well, accept the recommendation. You've answered the question then, haven't you? And then the Department of Health and Social Care can choose to direct Manx Care to follow the recommendation. But ultimately, uh, this, this may or may not happen. And uh, the minister, when I pressed him on this point, said, uh, uh, well, Tinwald can hold the department to account. And that's the problem with an awful lot of legislation. It's the word may in legislation, isn't it, rather than must. Uh, I've got another constituent who who has the river um, do running through his land, which floods, and he's now got a big gravel bank in the middle of the river, and he's been onto the DOI and said, listen, under the legislation, it's a flood river, and you've got to sort this out. And they've said, no, the legislation says that we may sort it out. And it's ridiculous. So he said, fine, OK, I've got a digger. I'll, I'll dig it out and I'll sort it out. No, 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 you can't do that. <laughs> no, you've got to have our experts come down and tell you what to do and how to do it and when to do it. So, you know, things like that are a complete and utter madness. And I think that all legislation should be rewritten and take the word may out. You've either got to do something or you've not. And we're starting to come towards the end of the programme. We've probably got a minute or two left. Um Oh, are we all excited by the uh, the likely announcement of the chief minister on on uh, Tuesday? The, the the big announcement in relation to economic strategy is this going to be the answer to all our prayers? Do we think, or is is there still a lot of work to well, do? I think we've got. I think we've got to wait for that statement on Tuesday <coughs> to see what is said. I think it's a massive piece of work that's been undertaken by KPMG. For me personally, as a, a member of the House of Keys, I'm more interested in how the public react what they've got to say about this because it is probably some of the biggest changes we've seen on the island for 40 or 50 years. So it's how the public reacts. And I think that's the one bit of advice for all elected members is to make sure that they listen to the views of the constituents and feed that back into the process. And Stu, for your final comment? Uh, Well, yeah, I mean, the KPMG report, I don't know how much that has cost, um, but I think you could probably sum it up in just a couple of words, do better or try harder. Uh, I don't expect that there's going to be anything that's much of a, uh, a revelation in it to us. I think it's going to tell us what we already know, to be honest. The one thing about Alf Cannon is he has that thing, and I've used it many times, these are not the droids you're looking for. He can look you right in the eyeballs and he can sell things. He is very good, he, and he has got that way of trying to get something over the finish line. Um, he says going to consultation, the public consultation, which is here we go again. You know, so that's another few months down the list there's going to be people saying one thing other people saying the other thing who do you listen to you've got to go on with this thing if you believe in it you've got to push it through and get on with it well that's all we have time for sadly on the program um i hope you've enjoyed uh, listening to my guests rob collister mhk sue peters mhk and political commentator paul moulton um and you can listen again if you wish to the podcast um or um contact me Phil Gorn at manxradio.com if you have any views of the programme.